Hello and welcome to How Many Geese. I'm Jack Baddams. And I'm Roddy Shaw. And if you're looking for a nature podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously, then we are the natural selection. On today's show... I wouldn't rank orangutans for their sex appeal. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying here. It's not getting a recording contract in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the parasitic wasp, though. What, what a villain. What an absolute villain. Saliva activates it. <laughs> For all we know, Chanel number five nullifies it, okay? <laughs> A lot of people ask me from time to time, you know, what's the podcast about? Yeah. <laughs> okay? And I find it perhaps, and, I, you know, we do it, we edit it, it's in us. But I just to crack it sometimes, but... I went on a journey and a journey took me through one article, which I think is fascinating and beautiful and lovely. And at the end of that article, I saw maybe one of the greatest headlines of my entire life. Right. (laughs) And I think from A to B, you've got how many geese? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this is what our podcast is distilled into two articles. Okay. Got you. Right. One of which a beautiful narrative about conservation what it is to do research, what it means to be in touch with the natural world. And the next one is one of my favourite collections of words I've ever seen (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we're starting this journey with the beautiful story, what I think is a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. And we've touched on stuff very similar to this in the past. We did a whole episode which is adjacent to the theme of this story. Right. And you're going to pull it out as we we go along. But I want to start in Australia, (laughs) which if nothing else how many geese loves to yeah. start in australia and we're in western australia we're in the north bungula nature reserve which is a 104 hectare reserve in southwestern australia now to give you an idea it's 1.3 kilometers long by 700 meters wide this isn't a particularly big oh. 104 hectares is not yeah that much that's right tiny. it's a kilometer it's a square kilometer okay and this reserve if you look at it on a map is pretty much perfectly rectangular it is completely surrounded by fields and roads. It's it's shut off. It's an island. Right. And in the area of southwestern Australia where it is, this patch was one of the first biodiversity hotspots identified. Right. And the area now only has 7% of its surviving, like, original vegetation. Right. Everything else has been farmed, built on, developed. So we're in a very biodiverse area, very precious place, hugely unique wildlife, yeah. restricted down to this tiny rectangle, yeah. the North Bungula Nature Reserve. Mm-hmm. Now, in this area of Australia, and throughout Australia indeed, there are many, many species of spiders. But for right. this particular area, we're looking at mygalomorph spiders. Now, mygalomorphs are the big, chunky ones. Okay, right. If you're thinking tarantulas, mygalomorphs. Okay? Uh, oh, right. Okay. Not spindly leg spiders. There's, from what I was looking at with spiders, and not something I know the most amount about, I will confess, but the two big groups, mygalomorphs being one of them, big, chunky, fat spiders. Ground, so, like ground, on the ground. On the ground. They're kind of the, the spider cavemen in a very poor eyesight, right. slow, sluggish, mostly on the ground. Um, you know, the Goliath bird eater, that's an example of a mygalomorph, but okay. they can be much, much smaller. Um, and they include the kind of trapdoor spiders, the funnel web spiders, and these are spiders that live in tunnels under the ground build a little trapdoor and stay there got you now because the spiders spend their lives living in these tunnels they're very very poor at dispersing okay okay once a female has dug her tunnel and is living in her tunnel she will only ever live in that tunnel right that's her for yeah these funnel webs for these trapdoor spiders right 
So they're born, dispersed from their mothers. They'll maybe go just a few meters from her tunnel before mm-hmm. digging their own, and that's them for life. They're set. Oh. And so with my Gallimorph spiders, you don't just get a lot of endemism and possibly specifically trapdoor spiders now more than my Gallimorphs in yeah. general. But you don't just get a lot of endemism, but specifically short-range endemism, which as defined in this instance, means that a species range is limited to 10,000 square kilometers. So 100 okay. kilometers by 100 kilometers. If something is only found in that area, it's called a short-range endemic. Okay. Yep. Now, endemics in general, something can be endemic to all of Madagascar. Mm-hmm. Something can be endemic to a very, very tiny area. It means they're just found in that one spot. Yep. And these particular spiders, so things like birds are rarely endemic because they're incredibly good at dispersing they can fly over obstacles Mm -hmm. things like frogs are more likely to be endemic because they find it much harder to cross roads these spiders they spend their entire life in one hole in the ground they're pretty endemic yeah yeah (laughs) okay so one such species of these spiders is gaius villosus and that's the subject of today's discussion okay and in 1974 the researcher Barbara York Main began a study in the reserve. Now, remember, this reserve is very small. Mm-hmm. It's 104 hectares. Her study area was 26 by 40 meters. That's like a reasonable what? car park. Yeah. Okay. And she just wanted to begin a study of this species of spider to just track what they're up to yeah. over a number of years. Just start monitoring see where it goes potentially study a small area small get to know area, that population see if they move who's cheating on who yeah. what the goss is you know all the rest maybe commission a soap opera who yeah. knows okay so she had her little spider corner of this little reserve of this global biodiversity hotspot looking at this one species now as i mentioned females never ever leave their burrow yeah so uh, when the female has her eggs and she's looking after them she will seal the trap door and these trap doors are kind of two pence piece like just literally think of a standard decent sized coin wherever you are right probably like a quarter in america whatever who knows nickel or dime yeah what are these words okay (laughs) (laughs) but a decent coin so tiny little things and she just wanted to monitor these see how they're going so the females will seal it all up with their eggs in there then when the or the spiderlings are ready to disperse pop the top up the spiders will go not very far at all, dig their own burrows. The males will live in their burrows for a couple years until they're sexually ready. And then they'll get up, they'll look for females, mates, that's them done. But the females will stay in their burrows forever. Right. In 1975, so one year into her study, and what she would do is she would go and she had a little stick with a metal disc and a number on it, and she would pop that behind the trap door mm-hmm. of each burrow. You would have walked through here, you never would have known there was a study taking place. Yeah. Right? But she'd pop it behind so that it didn't interrupt the trap door opening. Yeah. In the first year, she marked 15 or fewer burrows. Yeah. But the key thing here is in 1975, in the second year of her study, she marked one of the burrows number 16. Mm-hmm. Now, from looking at the map and what she'd worked out, she reckoned that burrow number one was the mum of number 16. Hadn't been there last year. Second year of study, this new borough had appeared. Okay. Burrows 24 to 30 were all likely number 16 siblings. As they're radiating outwards. As they're radiating out. And so she just wanted to see how this population went over the years with these spiders getting up to whatever they were getting up to. Now, she'd hoped for it to just be some simple little study. Mm-hmm. But as the years went on, whilst every other burrow might get broken into there were birds there there's kangaroos hopping about yeah. there's any manner of threats to these spiders 
Number 16 stayed untouched year on year. And oh. she'd always have a little peek and make sure they were there. Yeah. The first mention of number 16 is in passing in a paper in 1978 when we know this spider was four years old. Right. And the spider was there in 79. And the spider was there in 80. Wow. And the spider was there in 81. In the 2000s, a student ecologist joined Barbara in studying these spiders. I love that she's still doing it 30 years. Like It started so. in 1974. Wow. And Barbara just was committed to monitoring her Whoa. spiders. Right? The student joined Barbara... We know that number 16 had her 40th birthday. Wow. We knew she was female. We know oh she's female. God. Okay. And this spider in this little tunnel, she'd had offspring herself. She'd mated with males. Yeah. Like around her, things had come and gone, had kept going. Barbara's commitment to science, I both love and hate. <laughs> when she took the student out for the trip in the 40th year yeah. the student asked if they could give number 16 a mealworm and Barbara said no it will interfere with the study <laughs> <laughs> which is one of those times where I'm like I get you don't want to like boost the survival but this is a 40 year old <laughs> spider I love it Barbara it's worth noting that the previous record for a spider was one in captivity which had lived to 28 wow and this was a wild spider under all the pressures of the world yeah and was at least 40 years old over any spider so this is setting the record for the age of any spider any spider wow any spider wow. but previously it was captive only yeah, and yeah the only other one which they had estimated at like between 25 and upper 30s was some like cave spider mm -hmm. Not, you know, like what's going to find it? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Right? It's like a proper, like, cold. It's going to live slow. Yeah. It's going to hide. This is in the middle of the blazing sun in Australia, surviving drought, surviving fire. Just That's this so little cool. spider in its hole with its number 16 For pin. 40 years. And it kept going. Yeah. But then, on October 31st, and at this stage, Barbara had now retired from the study. Her, the spider had outlived. She was in her late 80s. Wow. But she'd handed the reins to the student ecologist. And on October 31st, 2016, during a check, number 16's trap door had been punctured by a parasitic wasp <gasps> at 43 years old. She dodged everything nature threw at her. Parasitic wasp. Until the parasitic yeah. wasp her. Now, to give you an idea... Yeah. We've lived through some stuff. Yeah. Right? This spider, <laughs> to let you all know what happened yeah. between 1974 and 2016. Yeah. Number 16 lived through the Soviet invasion of <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> the Second Cold War. Thatcher's Britain. Forrest Gump winning Best Picture in 1994. The first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth generations of Pokemon. <laughs> Harry Potter's from book through to last film. 9-11. Britney. MTV. Clinton's impeachment. The Chernobyl disaster. The invention of the Sony Walkman. All of Glam Rock, Teletubbies, The Fall of the Berlin Wall, Tiramisu's USA debut, which the internet puts at 1980, and Obama's election. Wow. <laughs> All of that... Has happened within the lifetime of number 16. Within the lifetime of one spider. Oh, that's incredible. I hate the parasitic wasp, though. What a... What, what a villain. What an absolute villain. Yeah. Now, that is, I think, 
a lovely story. It's mm. got one researcher's commitment to science. It's got everything. It's got surprising nature facts. Everything the world needs. Yeah. But I promised you that at the end of that article, <laughs> I saw one of my favourite collections of words I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Brace for the briefly inspirational and ultimately depressing story of the most heroic cow in Poland. <laughs> uh, I'm braced. Right, you're braced? I'm very braced. You're braced. Okay. I hope you are as well, listener. Now... <laughs> the briefly inspirational and ultimately depressing story of the most heroic cow in Poland. Now... I also just want to read you how this article actually starts, okay? okay? Yeah, yeah. By winter, reports had spread through Poland that an escaped farm cow was living free in the woods along the eastern border. It was spotted in January, foraging with a herd of bison. It looked healthy, perhaps even happy. This is not the story of that cow. <laughs> <laughs> so there are multiple inspirational yeah. escaped cows in Poland. <laughs> I wonder if that one's living in the... So the bison live in that huge forest. Biowavetsa. Forest or whatever. Eastern border. That's where the, the forest yeah, is. So cow's living his best life with the, with the wild bison herds. That cow's having a great time. Yep. This cow, I named th- Hero Cow <laughs> by the people, press and politicians of Poland. Right. There's a lot of pressure on this cow. What, what has it done to deserve the title? So, on the 23rd of January 2018, mm-hmm. this cow had reached its time on the farm. And the farmer was ready to send it off to the abattoir, right? And when he was telling his workers, you know, we're ready to get this cow on the truck, he's like, make sure you tranquilize her. He's maybe a bit feisty. The workers didn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay? And so Hero Cow, as she's known, ran. (laughs) Run. (laughs) Yeah. She saw what was coming. She did not comply. Freedom awakened. Yeah, it's gone Hero Cow. She smashed straight through the metal fence, broke a worker's arm, and bounded across the farm to the tree line. She was off. Go. Yeah. However, unlike the cow in the east, which has a story of freedom with the bison, (laughs) there were no bison to greet this cow. Mm -hmm. Okay. She emerged from the trees at the shore of a lake with the workers close behind her and nowhere to run. Jack, your hero cow, what do you do? Uh, I swim. You swim. I swim for my little hero cow life. She swam straight into the lake towards a cluster of islands. (laughs) And before the farmer lost sight of her, he told the TV news that he'd seen her dive underwater. She was free. (laughs) She was out. She was gone. Porpoising through the water. Yeah. Now the lake's islands are tiny. Okay. There was not much there for her to eat, not much to graze, not much really at all. But there was freedom. Yeah. So she's now staying on the she, she's staying on these islands. She's gone. She's swam out into the lake. There's a collection of little islands, and yeah. she is living her free cow life. It's like in uh, Chicken Run, where they all have that idyllic island yeah. that they all move to. And when the farm workers made their way onto one of those islands, they found her at home among thin trees with no intention of returning. The farmer tried for days to get his cow back, okay? By this time, he's called the Fire Brigade. Sky News are watching it, okay? (laughs) I like like the idea that they've got a helicopter circling the island. Yeah, like... (laughs) Giving you live 24-hour updates on hero cows. Exactly, like OJ's chase or whatever, (laughs) right? Okay? And whenever the cow saw a boat coming, she'd swim to another island. Okay. Okay. So she was just hopping this chain. Yeah. Farmer wanted to tranquilize her. Local vet was out of gas ammunition to actually power the tranquilized gun. Mm-hmm. 
so that was out. He considered just shooting her, but she was worth four figures at that point. Oh, really? He, one, well, fifteen hundred US, but yeah. that's a decent slice if you're. Yeah, you, and the bounty's only going up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Put it this way: you don't want to shoot fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. So he had no choice to try and just keep her alive until they worked out a plan. So he then started taking deliveries to her of food. She'd won. <laughs> She'd set up shop. She had an island, you yeah. know, villa. And was getting deliveries. And it was during this time that she got her name, Hero Cow, from admirers across Poland. Indeed, a local politician, Pavel Kukic, Mm -hmm. said she fled heroically. If all of citizens had such determination as this cow, the country would surely prosper. (laughs) That's such... A, well, it's not a backhanded compliment, but a straight-up insult to the people of the Poland. People of Poland, yeah, yeah. To be like, if you were all as ambitious as this cow, yeah. Poland would be in a better place. Indeed, the politician thought she should have been rewarded for her courage, and so he rallied Poles to spare Hero Cow from the butcher. Yeah. A nearby zoo wanted to take her, but was forbidden by European law. Why? What was the law? <laughs> no cows, I don't know. No cows allowed. <laughs> Finally, a local governor offered the cow sanctuary on his own farm, and so, well, it says on Thursday, but this was ages ago. Yeah, yeah. So, so on the day, the vet and four rescuers sailed to the island with tranquilizer darts ready, not wanting to send her to slaughter, but to save her. Mm-hmm. And I told you this story was I ultimately know. depressing. I was like, this is going well so far for Hero Cow. Because that's how they killed her. <laughs> what? The workers pursued her through the foliage for several hours. And she was, at this point, she hadn't been eating well. There was very little there. Mm. She'd been swimming and swimming. They gave her three shots of sedative before she went down and they managed to get her over to the shore and onto the truck. But unfortunately, the stress of the capture and the overdose of sedative, she just didn't make it. And she had a heart attack. Four weeks of freedom on the island had left her weak and emaciated. Freedom has its costs. It's what Hero Cow would have wanted. Well, exactly. It goes on to say that in a sad way, her death is a kind of victory. Yeah. When she's tasted freedom, Hero Cow didn't want to live a life in chains. She dodged the slaughterhouse. She yeah. broke that worker's arm. She burst through the tree line. Yeah. She swam to freedom. She pawpoised. She had deliveries coming to her. She made national news. She yeah. was subject to European <laughs> law investigation. She died the mooing hero <laughs> that Poland needed <laughs> and now in death she's become far more than she ever would have been in life yeah but unlike the other cow she never found any bison her time on the island was hard and brief but at least she lived free to the end it's time for that part of the show where we take one of nature's magnificent creatures and we pit it against Roddy Shaw in a fight to the death Now, today's animal has been submitted on Instagram by Miss Betty Black, and it is the Slow Loris. Okay. Now, let's get to know our foe. The Slow Loris are a group of nocturnal lemur-like primates that are found in Southeast Asia and nearby areas. Although previous classifications have sometimes classed them all as being one single species, there's now considered to be about eight different ones. Now, as always, I've then picked a particular species for us to focus on so we can get a real tail of the tape. And I've gone for the what, the largest species with the biggest range, that is the Bengal or northern slow loris, which grows to around 30 centimetres and can weigh up to about two kilograms. So slow loris, to describe what they look like, they're defined really by their big round head, flat face, small ears, and big eyes, which they've evolved for being nocturnal. They've got dense woolly fur, a very tiny vestigial tail, uh, and all around they look very, very cute, which has led them, sadly, 
So being taken from the wild and sold into the exotic pet trade, thanks to lots of cute videos on YouTube. So they're pretty endangered. They're highly sought after as cute pets. They're pretty tricky to find though in the wild, highly arboreal, stay in the trees and hide in the dense rainforest canopies where they feed on fruits, sap, gums, resins from plants, as well as insects, reptiles, and occasionally small birds. In the winter, the food supply consists pretty much entirely of things that they get from plants like gums and resins and things like that, which are obtained by gouging holes in bark with one of their favorite trees being a tree called the Bastard Myrobullen tree, <laughs> which is its actual name. I don't know why it's been given that name. Good. Now, let's get on to the weapons, because the slow loris has a pretty good secret weapon. It's one of only seven mammals that are venomous, and they get this toxin from the brachial gland in their arm, and it's believed that it can transmit scent information about sex, age, health, dominance to other slow lorises. However, if it needs to be used defensively, it can wipe this toxin onto its teeth, and upon mixing with the saliva, it activates the venom, which can cause death in small mammals and even anaphylactic shock, and sometimes death in humans. So, Roddy Shaw, the cute but deadly slow loris, how many or too many? Right, I mean, in my head that was going well until the last... <laughs> <laughs> like, took a real turn within the last sort of 15 seconds of that roundup. <laughs> and the, the really cool thing about it is this toxin seems to be relatively benign as it's coming out of this gland, and then all it takes it is for it to, like, rub it on its teeth in sort of, like, Rambo-style, like, draw it across its teeth, and then the saliva activates that toxin to become highly venomous. So I knew I knew that they were a venomous mammal. Mm -hmm. I know that that's their kind of, like, you know, that's their bio yep. on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cute, but deadly. Exactly. But I thought it was you know, like as per other venom kind of in the mouth, yeah, like a snake or whatever. Yeah. They actively have to take that toxin, mix it in another part of their body before they activate that the venom. That is just, in terms of evolution, that is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even begin to work out how, what's going, like, yeah, so I thought, I said, I said snake, I didn't think they had like fangs that pop out or whatever, but I thought it was, yeah, the saliva was happening. I didn't realise they had to, like a two-part resin, yeah. you know, mix <laughs> it. You have to watch like a YouTube tutorial on exactly. how to do it. Okay. Question. Okay. Are there fast loris? Are there loris? <laughs> Are we just coming in at slow loris? We're just coming in at slow. How yeah. slow do you have to be to have no other <laughs> loris but just get slow, be the slow you ones. know, be yeah. the slow ones? Yeah, they do move very slow. I mean, not as slow as sloths, but yeah, they're, they're not outrunning anything anytime soon. They also... Are there any... Are there any animals that are fast X, fast pigeon, Ooh. or whatever? Because we've got sloth and slow loris, where we literally looked at them and just tarnished them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if sloth... Well, the, the kind of deadly sin has to exist. The yeah. sloth is named after the sin. And I mean... The, what's the sin? What, well, sloth is just like... I'm, I say sin, the word, but, in, you know, it's yeah. the connotation or whatever, isn't it? Because, like... It's being lazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but... I'm thinking of the movie Seven as much as anything else. Right. I'm wondering if, you know, there's no animal called gluttony or envy. Well, uh, no, there is. So um, the wolverine, another name for oh, the wolverine gluto -gluto is... Oh, Gluto Gluto or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wolverine is Gulo Gulo. Oh, God damn it. Derived from the Latin for glutton, but it's also referred to as the glutton. Okay. So what are the other ones? There's Wrath, which is 
Is there, there's nothing particular. There's Rass. <laughs> That's as close as I've got. <laughs> the Wrath of a Rass. The Grapes of Rass. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel to Finding Dory. Yeah. Um, right. But okay. no, I, don't, I don't think there are any fast animals in, in terms of their name. Yeah, neither, neither do I. Right, but back to the task at hand. Slow Loris, yeah. here we go. Okay, so it's got this... Right, I don't want it mixing its yeah. thing. Okay, so what's going to stop it doing that? So that's uh, keeping their brachial gland, which is in their arm, which is where this toxin exudes from. You've got to stop it from getting into the mouth. Well, I mean... Just go somewhere with good COVID restrictions. It's going to have to wear a mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any indoor venue. I was thinking masks or straitjacket. Circa yeah. lockdown one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this, <laughs> this fight takes place April 2020. And I'm going to do it in an airport duty free. <laughs> right. Okay. Because. That's going to be pretty empty during lockdown as well. It's empty. So there's no collateral damage. Yeah. It's going to have really strict regulations because travel regulations you know to travel they were on it on it on it so yeah. the slow lo- well we're both going to have to wear a mask yeah. but the other bit that I've got in my head for some reason is I want it like because it's brachial gland is basically where you like put a spray of aftershave if you're testing it at the oh. shop and I haven't quite worked out why I want that involved you, you can neutralise it with some Hugo Boss well I mean yeah. <laughs> you know, saliva activates it <laughs> for all we know Chanel number no. 5 nullifies it okay <laughs> and yeah Duty free, you've got you've got you know lots of options. You've got to try of, and do it. Maybe it yeah. will be going around looking like oh, <laughs> bit of this, oh, bit of that, and it's yeah. going to be moving so slowly through them all. Yeah, think how many there are to test there. That's a there's a lot, Ooh. and yeah, they. I should say again that they use this toxin, this chemical in their gland primarily before they rub it on their teeth and make it venomous. They use it primarily to transmit scent information about sex, age, health, dominance. Largely the same way that, you know, we are buying perfumes for. It's all about attracting. And maybe I'll even, you know, Chanel on one wrist, Hugo Boss on the other, cross them, blend them, and then suddenly I've got, you know, and chemical. perhaps while you're there, in some way in this fight, you're able to bottle the slow loris brachial gland toxin <laughs> and create a brand new <laughs> toxin that you can a uh, brand new perfume that you can sell at airport duty free so i'm not only leaving victorious but i'm leaving with a new you know yeah, business new product yeah okay right so we know where we're doing it we know why we're doing it there if not <laughs> arbitrarily <laughs> the logic is flawless <laughs> yeah. well the mask logic holds up I yeah, don't want it. Don't up. want it rubbing it on its teeth. We know that activates it. Then suddenly it's a kind of chemical teddy bear. Yeah, <laughs> we don't need that. Okay. Yeah. What? So now we're just crunching the numbers. How big did you say it was? Yeah. So this particular species gets to about thirty centimeters. Weighs up to about two kilograms. Weighs up to two kilograms. So it's forty-five if we're going to go pound for pound. <laughs> To you. To you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but do I want to do that? 45 slow loris, each with a tiny little COVID mask. <laughs> <laughs> but the only thing, that's their only weapon, is the teeth. Yeah. They've got a mask on. And you know, oh, this is on the edge of getting dark. <laughs> right. <laughs> because... Because they're illegally trafficked for the wildlife trade, yeah. they're going to be very scared of suitcases. <laughs> I, mean, I say dark. Dark if you're a slow loris. <laughs> All those slow lorises listening out there, and we know that you are. 
<laughs> so opposite the airport duty free yeah. is going to be one of those luggage things yeah, and maybe carousel. and maybe one of on oh, I meant vendor but baggage okay. carousel as well so basically I'm just packaging <laughs> lorises and then shipping them <laughs> shipping them off to whichever people have yeah want to buy them from YouTube okay so on that basis I've already going to have to have passed check in yeah in order to right see the logic is about to stack up i've already passed check in so i can only take carry on <laughs> okay <Yeah>. so <laughs> depending on which airline i'm flying yeah and you've been through security so that you, you your weapons are limited weapons are limited exactly so we're literally toe to toe with some zloty yeah. and uh wherever A 30 else. mil kind of vaseline <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, so what is it, like 10 kilos carry-on, something like that? Uh, I mean, I think it depends which airline you're on, but yeah, generally about it, 10. It's about 10, isn't it? I think so. All right, so that would be five slow loris. Uh-huh. And then the sixth one, once, okay, five. Okay. It's low, but it's low because of the constraints of international travel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Five slow loris, yeah. which I bag. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're trying on perfumes. I'm trying on perfumes, bottling a bit of what they've got going on. Yeah. Then I bag them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. At which point, the sixth one, so enraged <laughs> at seeing, this is why it has to be five, because if there is a, five is the carry-on limit. Right. Any loris over that yeah. would see me bag them and suddenly come to and be like, hang on. Right. I'm not just picking up some Hugo Boss. <laughs> We're getting trafficked here, boys. Tear off his mask, Rambo me, do the across the teeth, yeah, jump from the rafters, bite me on the neck, I'm dead. Anaphylactic shock. Exactly, death. we're out. So five slow loris in the duty free with empty carry on on an airline with a ten kilo allowance. Flawless. Exactly. So we've had a question that's come in from Bocky on Instagram. Okay. Who wants to know? Which animals would you form the Spice Girls with? Right. So, so the five Spice Girls are famously Sporty, of course, Baby. Wait, Mel B. Uh, baby is Emma Bunton, Ginger, Jerry Halliwell, Posh, Victoria Beckham, Scary, Mel C. So we're trying to cast Sporty Spice, Baby Spice, Ginger Spice, Posh Spice, and Scary Spice in animal form. Right, Ginger Spice, I think is... I'm just starting there because I think it's going to be the easiest. Agreed. That's yeah. a maned wolf. A mate. Wow, okay. So I was thinking like Red Squirrel, Orangutan. Orangutan, but they've got to be... They've got to have... Casting my mind back to a younger Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> they've got to fit into a girl band. Is they, what they've got, well, they've got to fit into a... Well, yeah, but, all, you know, they've got to have... I wouldn't put... I wouldn't rank orangutans for their sex appeal. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying here. It's not getting a recording contract in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, um, is it a maned wolf I'm thinking of? The ones in leggy. like Pampas and yeah. Leggy and... I can't think if Ginger was particularly Leggy, but... No. Yeah. I mean, all the Spice Girls have got to have some level yeah. of sexness. I think, sexness. A red, I think a red squirrel is nice to look at. It's cute. Definitely cute. Yeah. Yes, I'm not doubting that, okay. but um, yeah. I think... The, the cute capital mm -hmm. has to be directed towards Baby Spice. Okay. Now, shying away from all of the insanity that was the 90s, in <laughs> <laughs> like, how old must they have been? Like 18 or something? Calling her I, a baby. I have no idea. And like, was it because she was small? I don't I, really know. I don't know. So Maybe they ran out of names by the time they got to 
what are the new four and we've adjectives? Not got, we've not got to scary spice <laughs> yet. That's all of that. Um, but baby spice, are we happy with ginger and main wolf? I mean, I am. Okay. Well, so, I mean, well, like just quickly, fox. You've got fox, red panda, red squirrel, tomato frog. <laughs> As you were going through, I was like, yeah, yeah, that could work. That could work. Then you went to tomato frog. It, it's a hard left turn. I'm not going to lie. But um, um, I think you could take any of maybe maned wolf, fox, red panda, red squirrel, and they all work. Yeah. 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 Baby, okay. Let's move on to baby spice because I think the answer is quite obvious. Is it duckling? No. <laughs> <laughs> Bush babies. Yeah. Okay. Bush babies. Yeah. That's so much better than duckling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that one's quite an easy one. Yeah. Because it's not actually a baby of an animal. It is a full-grown animal, but we just call it a baby. And that is <laughs> works around any legal... You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we've got bush baby, and we've got an assorted ginger animal. Yep. Um, an assortment of ginger animals. <laughs> that makes it sound like it's some kind of Lovecraftian <laughs> horror. <laughs> it's whichever um, whichever media music mogul wants to pick. Like yeah. They're all in a lineup, and whatever he's feeling at that particular time, he just picks that animal. Exactly. Um, Before going to jail in the 2010s, when it all comes to light. It's 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 interesting. Um, what do you want to move on to next? Sporty. Sporty. Okay. We've done Animal Olympics before. We have. So we've assessed the merits of sporty animals. Things like antelope come to my mind when I think of sporty. Gazelles. In cheetahs, obviously. Zootopia, doesn't Shakira mm. voice a gazelle? Isn't the like pop sensation a gazelle or something? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. But that's why we should pick something else. Okay. Right. So, what did I say? Sporty. Cheetahs are sporty. I mean, but for it some reason... it depends on the sport. It, it does depend on the... Yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah. She was just miscellaneous sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if you put her in any sport, she would lose quite heavily to any athlete that is trained in said sport. What credentials did she... I mean, Ginger... Of yeah. all of them, Ginger Spice is the only one which stacks up. I mean, Scary... The only black one was called Scary. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, um, the 90s do have a lot to answer for. So, sport, Sporty, I can see as a cheater. I think that's a, a pretty good shout there. Yeah. That's definitely known for its athletic credentials. If she was uh, some kind of high jump champion, that really needs to be known <laughs> more widely. Maybe she just won egg and spoon when she was <laughs> six. They, they were workshopping it. Jumpy spice? Can't be jumpy spice, I know. Sprinty spice. Eggy spoony spice. <laughs> Posh. I think this is maybe the trickiest one. Secretary bird. Oh yeah. I don't. Maybe it's not tricky at all. I mean, maybe you've nailed it. Victoria Beckham, I think, gives off secretary bird energy. It, yeah, I'd very poised. Yeah. You know, hoity. Yeah. But also, I'd be a little bit. I'd I'd be intimidated by her, which I am of a secretary bird, and that's part of the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's Secretary Bird. I think it's got to be Secretary Bird. And then we're left with Scary Spice. Scary Spice. Vinegaroon. Vinegaroon. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to explain to the listeners what a vinegaroon is? Jesus. what They're like a, a, 
Are they the same as a whip scorpion? Yeah, so it's another name for the whip yeah. scorpions. Yes, because they're the whip scorpions, and the other one is the tailless whip scorpion. Yeah, yeah so they've got a fatter okay. body thing going on. Yeah, so they look like a, well, they look pretty much like a scorpion, but without the hooked stinger yeah. on the end. They look scary. They fit the brief. Yeah. So they're like a, yeah, they are like a scorpion. They've got fat but stubby claws. And then instead, as Jack said, of the tail kind of arching up and over in those like almost chunky segments, it's just one stick, almost like, like a long stinger. What it looks like is the antenna on the top of a remote control car. Yeah. It looks like you'd just be controlling it. Yeah, exactly. When attacked, it discharges an offensive vinegar smelling liquid. That's where the... We can't confirm whether that does relate to... Mel C. Yeah. Is she Mel C or Mel B? I don't Mel, know. Mel, Mel A. Mel A. <laughs> the original. It's like hepatitis, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Mel B. Mel B. Okay. Let's get our ducks in a row. Are we sticking with Vinegaroon? I think Vinegaroon works. It's scary. Yeah. Only other things I can think of... All, all the everything that lives in a cave, <laughs> all of that, like those centipedes that have yeah. fucking legs that are, oh my god, yeah. things at the bottom of the sea that yeah. are just assholes with teeth, you know, scolopendra centipedes, scolopendra they're terrifying. They could be scary spice. Yeah, it's quite, imagine this lineup. Imagine seeing it on the cover of an album. I'd, what order are they coming out in? Because onto stage, Maned Wolf comes out first. Uh huh. Everyone's like, here we go. Yeah. It's leggy. It's statement. Yeah. Secretary Bird is coming out. Similarly, leggy, poised. It's got attitude. Yeah. Cheetah's coming out. You're definitely like, oh my God, athletic. Yeah. You know, flexible tail. Now Bush Baby hops out. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this has taken a very sudden and drastic turn. But hang in there because. <laughs> and finally. <laughs> and then lastly. <laughs> Only visible to people in the front two rows. <laughs> a four-inch vinegaroon <laughs> crawls onto stage straight from the depths of Hades. A zig a zig ah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode, which may have included, in no particular order, gorillas fighting sharks, hedgehogs which have learnt to skydive, or maybe that thing we found out about seals which can juggle. <laughs> Yeah, to peel back the curtain, as we record these outros, we've got no idea what you've listened to because we basically get together of a weekend and record all of it in one go, edit it, then mix and match the episodes. Um, so we've got no idea what you've listened to, but we hope you enjoyed it. It is a really nice sunny day outside at the time of recording, and we have opted for the good of our fair listeners to lock ourselves in a small room, <laughs> gazing out at the sunshine and discuss whatever it may be. But thank you all very much for listening and for sharing. We're still seeing the podcast grow and we're really, really enjoying it. But I'm afraid it's time for us to be very awkwardly British um, and announce that we have set up something that if you feel so inclined, you can donate a little bit of money to us. Listen to the change in our voices <laughs> as we awkwardly navigate the world of donations. Yes, Jack and I do love meeting up to do this. We think that meeting up to do this adds something to the show and we really enjoy meeting up to record this for you. And mm. as part of all of that meeting up, I keep mentioning there are a lot of train fares involved. <laughs> yeah. So if you would like to help out, we would absolutely love it if you could go to www.buymeacoffee.com for 
forward slash how many geese, all one word. Um, we'll also put a link to that at the end of the description on the episode. Just chuck us anything you've got, but if you don't have anything, do not worry. We're not going to make this, you know, exclusive or anything like that. And it will just help literally support the cost of doing this in our spare time. That's the deal. Do you like it? Yes. Yeah. Can you help out? Great. If you can't, no worries. We're going to keep doing it. So thank you, everyone, very much for listening to whatever you may have just listened to. See you next time. Hooray. Bye. <laughs>